Today's read, Meditations Across the King's River, African-Inspired Wisdom for Life's Journey, written by James Weeks. Chapter 6, Nourishing the Body. A little bit of faith, a little bit of courage, a little bit of vision, a little bit of discipline, a little bit of perseverance, a little bit of dedication, a little bit of hope, a little bit of love, a little bit of light. Meditate on these things. Work on these things. Ta'ali's Kalalu is amazing. I'm surprised how much it tastes like Crucian Kalalu. She even has crabs in it, just like we do back home. For the uninitiated, Kalalu is a popular Caribbean soup that originated in West Africa. Consider it a first cousin of gumbo. Ta'ali is one of Omitola's friends and lives between the towns of Le Abime and Monalu in Guadalupe. Omitola says Le Abime used to be the kingdom of endless sugar fields and Monalu is well known for catching crabs and fish. It's a gorgeous sunny day and five of us, including Ta'ali's husband, are feasting at a small table outdoors. A vast empty field is on my left. Over on my right are cages of chickens and other livestock that Ta'ali raises. A few coconut trees are in the yard. The conversation is in French and Guadalupean. Slowly, I'm starting to feel comfortable speaking French again. I'm offered fresh coconut water, which I gratefully accept. There's roasted breadfruit, a salad and rice too. A soccer game in French blares from a flat screen television. Ta'ali's husband is watching and keeping track of the score, but I have no idea which teams are playing, nor do I care. I'm here, but not fully here. With each spoonful of kalalu, I float closer to my culture, my African ancestors, and to the heavens. I'm grateful for the Kalalu. Not only is it prepared differently on each island, it's spelled differently from island to island too. Jamaican Kalalu tastes nothing like Crucian Kalalu, and while people in Guadalupe make Kalalu with the leaves of a plant from the ground provision family called Made, we tend to use the leaves of a wild plant called Papa Lolo on St. Croix. Traditionally, we've used other leaves too, Bata Bata, White Mary, Bawa, and Pulsli. Back home, the seeds of Papa Lolo are carried by the wind and grow everywhere. No need to plant it. It's always ready for harvest, like a trusted friend who will never abandon you. Making Kalalu mom's style is a labor-intensive two-day process she learned from my grandmother. One day might be spent plucking and grinding the leaves, which can take hours. Salted pork or beef, which gives our kalalu its distinctive flavor, is soaked in water overnight to remove excess salt. The second day is spent cooking the salted meats in a large pot full of water to create the base of the kalalu. Then we add Papa Lolo, 
okra, bits of fried fish, conch, and crabs if they're in season. Finally, we serve Kalalu with a big ball of fungi in each bowl, a soft but thick cornmeal porridge that's reminiscent of fufu, a popular dish throughout West Africa, which is typically made from yams, cassava, or green plantains. Eating Kalalu stirs up childhood memories of mom, my grandmother, and my culture. In the upcoming book, Forget Me Not, the history of the culture of St. Croix, my cousin, Wayne James, a former senator, says, Ingredient for ingredient, flavor for flavor, authentic Crucian cuisine, the centuries-old culinary tradition of St. Croix Virgin Islands ranks among the world's finest cuisines. Then my cousin goes on to list some of the tantalizing delicacies every Crucian, rich or poor, bright or dim, thin or fat, is blessed to eat year round. Make no mistake, and don't let anyone deceive you. These delicacies are the absolute best the world over, says my cousin in Forget-Me-Not. Boiled red snapper and fungi, the sauce flavored just so with freshly squeezed juice of local limes, sprigs of thyme and scotch bonnet peppers, or a plate of conch in traditional butter sauce served with boiled sweet potatoes and green figs, the conch pounded then slow cooked, not pressure cooked as is the custom these days, or smoked herring, gundi salt fish, salted cod gundi, or a luxurious seafood salad consisting, amongst other things, of whelks, lobster, octopus, and cuttlefish, or a seven-layer cruche Vienna cake generously moistened with white wine, or a pâté not made to a Johnny Cake's consistency, but instead to a light, flaky pastry texture. Then my cousin, inspired and emboldened by his own words, goes on to put the culinary world and the entire universe on full blast. All things considered, Crucian Kalalu is the world's best Kalalu. The Crucian Vienna cake, baked only in the U.S. Virgin Islands, is the world's most delicious cake, if made correctly. I'm not sure if my grandmother Alma Doward made it into Wayne's book. If she's not included in Forget-Me-Not, there's going to be a big problem because everyone knows my grandmother was an incredible cook. Granny regularly won awards for her cooking at food fairs and also sold food from a booth during carnival seasons. The lines of raving customers waiting for her stewed goat and seasoned rice were always long. This is not hearsay. I was there and heard the endless praise for Granny's cooking firsthand. My mom no longer cooks. She's in her 90s now. In my mind's eye, however, I can still see her in the kitchen, keeping a watchful eye on the Kalaloo simmering on the stove. Sometimes at night, my family would go driving along the northern western shores of St. Croix, hunting for crabs. When we spotted one or two scampering across the road, mom would get out of the car with a flashlight in hand, carefully grab them and toss them in a crocus bag or a box. If we were lucky, we would return home with a bag full of crabs. I think about food a lot. Maybe it comes from growing up surrounded by great cooks.
Though I appreciate cuisine from all around the world, one of my favorite comfort foods is Nigerian goat stew or fish stew with pounded yam and a bowl of gently boiled okra on the side. I dip the fufu into the okra, then into the stew, then into my mouth it goes. The Yoruba word for okra is ila. The way I see it, African stew without okra on the side is pointless. It's like claiming you love to swim when in fact you only stay near the shore. As I write about food, my mind wanders aimlessly from country to country, island to island, fantasizing about what I ought to eat next. Should it be Puerto Rican lechon and arroz con gandules, or should it be crucian souse and potato salad? Should it be Trinidadian roti and doubles, or should it be Jamaican jerk pork and stewed oxtail? Should it be Ghanaian jollof rice and banku, or should it be Ethiopian injera and dorowat? Should it be Antiguan pepper pot and roast goat, or should it be beige and flying fish and cuckoo? It's hard to make up my mind, and the menu on Guadalupean websites does not help with my confusion. Turns out I can have boudin, highly seasoned blood sausage, acras, salted codfish fritters, cabre farci, stuffed land crabs, lambi, coat, conch, and more. I've traveled the world and I've sampled the cuisine of many cultures, yet I still crave the dishes of Africa and the Caribbean. The cuisine of the ancestors does more than soothe our bodies. It reminds us who we are, where we've been, and where we yearn to go.